Well, this morning, I want to begin by saying that this series, as I've been studying and going over, we call this series Uncommon Sense. And when I first thought of that name and, and you know, looked at this name, and I thought, wow, that's, that's a little different. But it makes sense because wisdom is uncommon, and that's what we're referring to with uncommon sense. And we don't see a lot of wisdom in the world around us. We don't see a lot of the decisions being made by our leaders and, and so forth. We don't see wisdom like we should. We see a lot of knowledge. You know, we see a lot of learning. But we don't see wisdom. And just like on the first week when we began this series, I threw out this, this statistic of, of knowledge and how rapidly knowledge is changing and how rapidly that knowledge is just uh, it, it's duplicating itself at a, at a really, really high rate. As a matter of fact, it's somewhere between 18 and 24 months. All the knowledge in the world duplicates. It totally doubles. And so we've got a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of learning. A lot of people going to universities. We have online. You can find anything you want, to, want by Googling it or Binging it or Yahooing it or whatever search engine you want. We've got even all kinds of search engines to use. There's more than what I even just mentioned. There's so many ways to get information and to gain knowledge on just a variety of issues, subjects, topics. So knowledge is, is everywhere, but wisdom, we find, by and large, is missing in a lot of places. And so what we want is this uncommon sense. We want wisdom. And knowledge alone is not enough because wisdom is sound action. And knowledge is not sound action. Wisdom is sound action. It's good decision-making based on the experiences that you've had. It's the decision-making on the knowledge that you've acquired. So what you could say about wisdom is, is wisdom is the right use of knowledge. The right use of knowledge. And that's something like, during this whole series, I just want to keep saying that over and over and over again, that wisdom is the right use of of knowledge. It's the thing that, that allows us to apply that knowledge in the way that it's supposed to be applied. And as Christians, as may, you know, hopefully we all are, as Christians, we know and we look in the Word of God and we see and we learn from the Word of God, but we've got to be able to apply it right. We've got to be able to apply the things that we've learned from the Word. So before we keep going, let's just go to the Lord in prayer just for a moment. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence and your spirit that is here in this place. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I think your word never returns void. And I thank you that this morning we could just take this time, a few moments of time, to focus on you and what you have for us here this morning. Speak to our hearts, not just our minds, but speak to our hearts that we may be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've got to, in the first first message that I started talking about uncommon sense, this wisdom, we were talking about the need for it and just making the case that we need it. We really need it. And after that, we started looking at how to get it. How do you get it? Because you can say, oh, well, I need it. Well, then now the next question is, is how do you, how do you get it? And this morning, I want to talk some more about how to get it. And we talked last week about having the right heart set. And we had seven different continuums. And so where do you fall on these continuums? And where do you, where's your heart at in these things? Being, you know, humility and 
versus pride. You know, how humble are you? How proud are you? How diligent are you? How lazy are you? How all these things. So we had these different continuums, and we were looking at the, your, your heart sets. got to be right in those areas. And we look, and we've got to work on our heart. And the, today, I want to go over the practices, six different practices that we've got to do in order to gain wisdom, in order to get wisdom. And it's not just, just getting it, but it's maintaining it. Maintaining wisdom. How many know you can make a right decision today and make a wrong one tomorrow, right? You can be real wise one day, but be a fool the next. So it's wisdom something that's got to be maintained. Not just gotten, but also maintained. And so the first thing, first practice that we have is to ask for it. Ask for wisdom. You say, well, TJ, that's real simple. Yes, it is. It's a simple thing, but yet so many times... We forget to do it. So many times we don't do it, and we rely on our own wisdom or for wisdom of, uh, you know, other sources like we talked about before. And we rely on ourselves. And sometimes we're too proud to ask. I mean, have you ever been in that situation where, you know, you didn't want the boss to know, or you didn't want your parents to know, or the person, you didn't want them to know that you didn't know something. So you didn't ask because it would be embarrassing, and that, that would just, you know... Oh, man, there's no way I, I can do that. I can ask. But, you know, God knows it anyways. He already knows. And that's the first person that we can go to and ask. We can humble ourselves before Him. So remember, God resists the proud. He gives what? Grace to the humble. With that grace, He empowers us when we humble ourselves and we ask. And to ask is to make a request from a source that can supply a needed resource. And when we ask, it means that we believe that the resource can be made available to us because the source has access to it and he or she is willing to share it with us. Whether it be God, who's the ultimate source of wisdom, when we ask him, we know that he's got the answers, right? Or we ask those around us, we may ask those that, that some others that we think, you know, man, that maybe they've got the answer. And we look to them and hopefully we're asking the right person and hopefully we're asking... The, the, the right person that has that knowledge that we need or that, that wisdom to help us make the decision that we've got to make. And the thing is, is that God, He can read our minds. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything. But with others, people aren't mind readers. You know, they're not. And many times we have to ask. You know, there's so many times I, I, I went, you know, early on in our marriage with, with my wife. And we'd be communicating. And she goes, well... You didn't do this and do that. And I said, well, I, I didn't know I was supposed to do this and do that. We, I, how was I supposed to know? You're just supposed to know. Oh, oh, okay. And, and I've done the same thing. I was doing the same thing to her. Well, didn't you just know? Well, no. So we've, gotta, we've actually got to communicate. We've got to talk. We've got to be able to be assertive and ask for what we want in the relationship. And we have a relationship with God. And we've got to be assertive. And we've got to be able to ask, even though he already knows. He wants us to be able to do that. And when we're looking for wisdom from others around us, people that we know that have a good relationship with God, that seem to be making the right choices and the right decisions, when we go and we ask them and say, hey, what do you think about this? You know, they're not going to be able to read our minds. We've got to ask them. We've got to know. Now, this is the third message in this series. And we have yet to talk about Solomon. We have yet to mention Solomon, who was the wisest who ever lived, right? We know the scripture tells us that. Well, we'll talk about Solomon for a moment. Now, Solomon asked God for wisdom. 
That was the thing he asked for. And if you think about Solomon, here he was. He was taking over for King David. Now, King David, the people loved David. It, it, David was like, you know, an icon. You know, think of the most popular person on the planet. I mean, this, this was David. And all of the lands and all the surrounding territories, everybody knew about him. Everybody knew that he was the giant slayer. He was the one who just, you don't want to mess with him. I mean, people were going around, you don't mess with the Israelites, there may be just some rock come flying out of just nowhere and hit you right in the head. I mean, that's, that's how the, the reputation they had, you know, because it was miraculous how that God empowered the Israelites to be able to stay strong, to be able to overcome. And so King David, here he is, you know, he, he is the man, and everybody loves him. He's, a, he's the man after God's own heart, the Scripture says. And so here's Solomon. I can imagine he's feeling just maybe a little intimidated by the task at hand. He's feeling maybe a little intimidated by what's getting ready to happen. He's got to take over this whole kingdom. He's got to continue this reputation and not and maybe not just continue it, but maybe even take it to another level. You know, he's got to, you know, so the people will will, will love him and like him and, and, and follow him and serve him and, and do what he, all those things. And so maybe he's feeling a little intimidated. And in 1 Kings Chapter 3, verse 5 says that Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, what shall I give you? And so this is what God said, hey, you can have anything you want. What do you want? What do you want? And we look down in verse 7, it says, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my David father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. In other words, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm about to take over the kingdom, and I have no clue what's going on. How many have ever felt like that in life? You're faced with a decision, you say, I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what to do, how to do it. I, I, it this is, oh my goodness, you feel overwhelmed. Here's Solomon, he's a little overwhelmed. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? And then in verse 10 it says, It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. Why did it please him? Because Solomon was humbling himself. He was saying, listen, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on. He's saying, I need you. He was recognizing, I can't do this thing on my own. I need you. And he's asking this. Verse 11, and God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I will give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. So if you feel overwhelmed, and some of us, we may be, we may be here this morning, we're like, I'm not sure what's going on with the situation, I'm not sure what to do, we need to be like Solomon and humble ourselves and ask. Ask for wisdom. How many of us, if God came down, and he said, even whether it was in a dream or, dream or an angel appears or something like that, you know, we've got God's tongue just saying, what do you want? How many of us could humble say, well, I just want wisdom. And we wouldn't say, I want a million bucks. You know, I want to be the second richest guy on the earth or something like that. You know, some, 
crazy thing. I, I, I want a house. I want this. How many, you know, you think God's giving you an opportunity and he's like, he's going to give you anything you ask for. He said, what do you want? Could we humble ourselves and ask for wisdom? And so that's what we've got to do. We've got to humble ourselves before him. And we can ask. In James 1 at 5, it says, and we've read this before already, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. We know that we can ask God. We can do it in faith because he's going to show us. He's going to bring us the answer. It may be like that second, you know, it's like an email bings in your inbox. You ask God and all of a sudden, boop, there's the answer. It doesn't work like that. But we know that he's going to give the answer. He's going to help us out. He's going to give us the wisdom. You know, when my son or daughter, especially, you know, when they were real little, they had a need. When they had a need, they... It's like, I'm thirsty, Daddy, I'm thirsty. He, knew, he could come to me and say, Daddy, could you get me a drink? And he was confident and he knew and he had the faith knowing that I'm going to go get him a drink. Well, I'm going to look at the kid. Now nah, you just stay thirsty. <laughs> get away, man. You know, what, I'm not going to do that to my child, no. I'm going to get him a drink. And he could ask confidently in faith. Nothing, he didn't have to worry that maybe I wasn't going to get it for him. Maybe I wasn't going to show him how to do it. My children never wondered, you know, or, or was upset or scared that, or, you know, or afraid that I was never going to show them how to get a drink on their own and show them how to do it and give them the wisdom on how to not spill that orange juice jug. I was watching one of these funniest home videos and, and the little kid, he went and got the big orange juice thing out of the refrigerator. I mean, he must have been like three or four. And he's sitting there and he, he could barely carry the thing, you know. He puts it down on the ground and then he's got this cup, this little kid's cup, and uh, he took the lid and he had left the cup there, picked the orange juice, and just started putting it. Went, oh, and then he stopped and went, uh-oh, because it just went everywhere. Uh-oh. You know, and sometimes that's what we're doing in life with our decisions. You know, we just start doing something, and we don't really know what we're doing, and then we go, uh-oh. We're not going, because we didn't ask. You know, and the little child, you know, he's supposed to ask first. You know, he didn't know Daddy was around the corner with a camcorder sitting right there. You know, had it right on him to get, catch this thing for all of us to be entertained on TV by the video. He didn't know. But he was supposed to ask, and we're supposed to ask. Number two, study for wisdom. Study for wisdom. You say, well, TJ, that's simple too. I know that as well. To study is to apply your attention to information. To apply your attention to material for the purpose of understanding it. And sometimes we hear this word study and we're like, oh, that sounds like work. Oh, man, that just does not sound like something I really want to do. We want to talk about that. So when you're, when you're studying, you're digging into material. Study requires concentration and focus. But you're digging in to the right sources. And when you're needing an answer on something, when you know you need wisdom for life, when you're digging in... It's a whole lot easier because, I, I, you know, when you're staying, when you're digging through, because you have a need. You have a need. You need wisdom. And so you're studying to look to find. And, you know, the best source, of course, is God's book of wisdom. It's the Bible. We know that. And we're to dig into that. And, there, and we have other sources as well that we can study. There's good, great books out there that many Christian authors have done. And we can look and we can study those. We can get on Google and we could look some things up from some other, uh, you know, Christian authors and things that uh, they're expounding on the Word and talking about it. We can study all kinds of things like that. You know, but 
the thing is, is we need to go beyond reading when we're just looking at, you know, just reading it. We go beyond reading and we study. You say, well, TJ, well, how do you do that? Or what's the, how do you do that? Let's talk about Joshua for a moment. Joshua was promoted just like Solomon was promoted. He was being promoted. And Joshua was taking over for Moses. Now, here's Moses. He's the one who parted the Red Sea. Can you imagine? He actually parted the Red Sea. And Joshua's got to take over for him. So you've got to figure, he's wondering, okay, well, what's the key to success? Like Moses has had some success. Now, he wasn't perfect and, you know, and all of that. He didn't get him into the promised land. But, and here's that, that was the thing that Joshua knew that he was going to do because Moses said, look, you're, you're, you're going to take them into the promised land. You're going to be one to lead them to do that. And Joshua's probably thinking, oh, my goodness, Moses couldn't do it. How am I going to do this thing? And so he's, what do I do? What's it? I need wisdom. And the Lord gave him the key in Joshua 1, 8, very popular scripture. We've read it before. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so what was God saying to Joshua? He's saying, look, if you want to get the job done, if you want to be prosperous, then you have to study. You have to study. You've got, again, he was giving him the key to get wisdom, to be able to be successful, to be able to lead the people from where they were into the promised land. And God wants to give us, do the same with us. He wants to give us wisdom by, number one, asking, and by, number two, studying and looking and digging in and digging into material. Psalms 119.15 says, I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. And so the question is that we've got to ask ourselves is, do we give ourselves enough time to study during the week? Do we give, us, give ourselves enough time to, to dig in the Word a little bit? And you know, sometimes the, the best way to start, one of, one of the things you could do is we started posting the, the notes to these messages online. You can get on churchpluggedin.com, download the notes, look them over again, look at the scriptures, read the other scriptures around it, look at the story of Joshua, look at it. You know, you can be studying these out, look up some more scriptures that have to do with those. And you could just take a few minutes and just, just study that. You know, we're not talking about taking two, three hours a day digging in there being Bible scholar. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about studying a little bit. Take a little bit of time. Use, there's all kinds of apps out there. We've got version and, and different Bible programs and things where we can do word searches and, and just all kinds of sources and material. Out on the welcome table, we have, we have a packet. and It's for free. You can pick it up. We'll give it to you. It's called Growing Spiritually with God. We give these to all you know, those who have just usually just, just given their heart over to God or recommitting to God. And there's just some good scriptures in there on different areas that you can study out that are good to go point to. It's a good starting point. And so if you haven't gotten one of those, go ahead and get one of those. Even if you've been saved for a long time, you want one, grab one. You can have one. Another resource is Walking in Christ. It's a booklet. It's, got, it's, a, it's a little on the thicker side. It's out on the, the book table. You can pick that up, purchase it. It's uh, real inexpensive, but it's, it's 12 chapters in there. It's got fill-in-the-blanks with scriptures, and you go and you look up the scriptures. You fill in the blank. You're studying. You're digging. You're getting into the Word of God. You're learning, man, I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm this, and it's just walking in Christ is just chock full of truth. It's chock full of the Word. And you, you can just take 15, 20 minutes a day just to kind of go through that. And after a little while, you'll be done with it. 
and you go on to the next study thing. It gets addicting after a while. When you know you're digging in, you're learning truth, and that truth is making a difference in you, it's easy to study then. It's easy to dig in then because you see the benefit of what it's doing for you. Anything that you're doing that you see a benefit, do you just stop doing it? No, you keep doing it. So we ask, we study, and the third thing is, is we listen for wisdom. Learning happens by listening. You learn a whole lot more when you're listening than when you're talking. Amen. So surround yourself with good people and listen to them. Listen to the voice of the Lord. Take a time just to be in His presence. Be still before Him. And just listen to what God's, you know, trying to say. You know, listening is a developed skill. It's an action. Listening, we actually, we call it many times, active listening. And for you, you that are married, you know, you have... Someone's got to be assertive and ask for what they want out of the out of the relationship, and the other person's got to listen. And many times, you know, the wife she's sitting there and she's talking, talking, and the man's like watching TV while she's talking to him, and he's like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, and she just told him some things to do, and he said, uh huh, uh huh, and it just went in one ear and it's out the other. Because why? Because you weren't paying attention, you weren't really listening. So, man, you got to do this when your wife comes in the room and she's sitting there and she's trying to tell you something just. No, really. Just get bug-eyed and just listen. I remember once, you know, she told me she was getting ready to go out the door. She had her purse, and I'm watching the game, and she's saying bye. I said, bye. She's coming over to give me a kiss. I'm like, my eyes are still on the TV, you know, as she's leaving. Okay, and she's like, hey, can you take care of the dishes? All I heard was take care of something, and she left, and I thought it was laundry, and I did the laundry. (laughs) Dishes are still in the sink. And she comes home, why didn't you do the dishes? I said, you didn't tell me to do the dishes. I did the laundry. Aren't you proud of me? What do you mean, dishes? I did the laundry. No, I told you to do dishes. It was funny. We laughed. But it shows that we've got to give our attention to those around us and listen. And, and, and it's, a, it's a skill. It's a skill that's got to be learned. We've got to develop that. In Proverbs 4, verse 10, it says, hear my son. And now this word hear or heareth is translated you know, listen in many other versions, but hear or, or listen, whichever version you're looking at, is found 27 times in Proverbs alone, just in that book. You know, so if there's an importance on this word hear or, or, or listen. Proverbs 4 verse 10 says, Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of unrighteousness. Uprightness. Sorry. We've got to get that right. Uprightness, not unrighteousness. We are not getting led to unrighteousness. This is a church that believes in righteousness. Hallelujah. We don't believe in the other. Proverbs 5, 13. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? Proverbs 8, 1. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. In Proverbs 16, 20, those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. Proverbs 23, 19, my child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. And you know, the thing is, is that it, we, it's a developed skill. It's something we've got, to, it's action. And even God, you know, we see this in the word over and over again about listening and hearing. And God even gave us a biological message. I mean, with our bodies. And if you go look in the mirror, or maybe just you could look at, look at your neighbor for a minute. How many mouths do they have? One. How many ears do they have? Two. And so, you know, God, 
so we should be listening twice as much as talking. Now, husbands, don't elbow your wife. Wives, don't elbow your husband. And, you know, you may be looking at your spouse thinking, well, thank God it's that way. They talk enough as it is. But, you know, listen, we've got to have the right attitude about this thing. We've got to know. We've got to know God's, God's telling us something. God's saying, listen. And we learn by listening. We don't learn by speaking. We don't have a verse in the Bible that says, you know, he who speaks much is wise. You know, we, we don't have a proverb like that. We don't have a scripture like that. We've got the opposite. James 1.9 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So be, be quick to hear and be slow to speak. And so that's what we've got. We don't have, he that speaketh much is wise. You know, we don't have a scripture like that. And so we're to ask, we're to study, and we're to listen for wisdom. And let me give you a challenge real quick before we move to the next one on listening. And you husbands really perk up. Listen to this one. Try listening for the message within the message. Try listening to the voice within the voice. You know, I, there's been times where I was sitting there and, you know, I'm, I'm studying or I'm doing something or I might just be watching TV. She comes in the door and she's, oh, you know, man, I, this has happened, this has happened, and she's just, I mean, and she's venting. And she's going on and on and on, you know, and she's venting. And I'm thinking, and the first thing in my mind is, okay, she needs me to help her. Because there's all this stuff she's got going on. So, well, babe, what do you want me to do here? I'll come help you or I'm trying to fix what she's saying. But she's really not telling me any of those things at all. What she's really saying is, I need a hug. I need a hug. I need some affirmation. So we're listening to the voice within the voice. You hear what I'm saying? So we, that's the challenge. Can we listen to the message within the message? The voice within the voice many times. When we're communicating with our families, when we're communicating, what are they really trying to say? Now, don't get too deep with it. Sometimes they do, they're meaning what they're saying. They mean what they're saying. They're like, no, 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 I, no, I don't need a hug right now. I really do need help with the dishes, so go do the dishes. <laughs> but give a hug when a hug's needed. <laughs> Amen. So we look at number four now. Be a great observer. Be a great observer. You know, there's lessons to be learned all around us all the time. But we don't benefit from those lessons unless we observe them. We don't benefit unless we observe those lessons. And our problem is many times, you know, we're, just, we're speeding through life. And we're just going on and on. And we miss things around us many times. We miss some things that are going on. So three things to observe and learn from. One is people. People. Have you ever gone to the mall and just sat down in the mall and just watched people go by and just watch how they interact? People are funny. You can sit there for a while and do that, you know? But no, what, what we do is we, we learn from people. We observe people. We learn from their successes. We learn from, uh, you know, their failures. We look, at, we look at them. We look at others and we observe. And if we're just always caught up in our own world and going too fast, and I've got to do this, got to do that, we've got to slow down and observe, and be a great observer, and observe others. You know, I would much rather learn from somebody else's mistake than have to do it my, on my own. You know, the person who can't learn from somebody else's mistake is a fool, really, if you think about it. If they went and did the same thing that person did, and it was a failure for them, and they did it the same exact way, the same exact pattern, 
it's not going to work either. So we want to learn from other successes and failures. You know, and the Bible is filled with examples of people who succeeded and failed. In 1 Corinthians 10, it's talking about the children of Israel and the different uh, the, the failures that they had. In verse 6, it says, Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. They're, they're, those, they did those things, and those things happen, and we have them recorded and written in the Word for our benefit, for us to look at it and to see. So we observe those examples. We observe those around us, and we can look and we see, and we can learn. Proverbs 7, verses 6 through 10 tells a little story here. It says, For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple... I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. You know, at this point, everything in this young man, if he was being observant of his surroundings, everything within this young man should be saying, I need to get away from here. I need to get away from this place. I don't need to walk that direction. I don't need to go towards this area. I need to go. Everything should be screamed with him, leave, leave. But he doesn't. And in verse 22, all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast. Verse 23, till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. You know, he failed to be observant of his surroundings, failing to recognize the signs. And he paid a big price because he wasn't observant. And so we, one of the things that we observe are people. We learn from their mistakes and we look at others and sometimes we can see danger and we don't go that way or we don't do that thing. The second thing is nature that we observe. Proverbs 6.6 6 says, Go to the ant, thou slugger, consider her ways and be wise. If you've ever gone to a picnic and spread out a blanket in the summertime, put some food out there, you might draw some ants. And if you notice the ant, I mean, he's like got this huge piece of bread. It's like this big and there's a little tiny ant and he's like carrying this big thing across. You know, ants are just, I mean, they can carry huge things, these big crumbs. And, and so, you know, two or three ants may get up and pick something else, start you know, walking off. But they're smart. And they're wise, and they work together, and they've got a pattern. They got all the, so the Scripture's saying, you know, look at nature. That's some of the things we can observe. Next thing is life situations. And, you know, all of us go through stuff in life. Problems, pain, trials, tribulations. They're to educate us. We've got to learn from those. We observe and we learn. James says to count it all joy when you experience trials. And so we just we count it joy, and we look and we see, you know, what can I learn through here? Don't go through trials. Church, don't go through trials and learn nothing. Don't go through trials and learn nothing. Some go through trials and just come out bitter, come out angry, and do not grow. And they're not able to grow and learn from those things. Number five, grow self-awareness. Grow self-awareness. Self-awareness is the ability to see ourselves accurately. The person who isn't self-aware goes through life on the surface never seeing what they need to see about themselves. They never see their own foolishness. They never see it. The thing is about being a fool, you never know you are one. You think everybody else is the problem, but you. So a fool doesn't know he's a fool, right? Fool doesn't know. And so we've got to grow self-awareness. And Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. 
Proverbs 26.11, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. I know that's a horrible visual, but it's true. Right? A fool just keeps on doing the same things over and over, keep making the same mistakes, and doesn't learn, doesn't change from it. Proverbs 27.22, you cannot separate fools from their foolishness, even though you grind them like grain with mortar and pestle. Jesus talked about self-awareness. Matthew 7, 3 says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So in other words, every time you point the finger, just know there's three pointing back at you, right? Self-awareness. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you first. We look at ourselves. Is there something that I could change? Is there something that I'm doing wrong? God, show, is there any wicked way within me? As it says in Psalms, David says, is there any wicked way? Show me what it is. Being self-aware. Making sure. I, I don't want to make foolish decisions. How many in here, you just want to be a fool? Raise your hand. Come on. No. Nobody wants to be a fool. No one's going to raise their hand on that. We don't want to make foolish decisions. We grow self-awareness. Number six. Do what you know. Do what you know. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is in the doing. We're not wise when we just know right. We're only wise when we do right. Yeah, I used to watch a show growing up as a kid, G.I. Joe. And, and we, in the movie, there's a new movie. They made a live-action movie with this thing. And I used to watch the, the guys, and they had these laser guns, and they were fighting the bad guys and the good guys. And it was a little 30-minute kids' show. And at the end of the show, they always did this little safety message, you know, at the end. One of the G.I. Joes, so the Joe would come out, and he would say, you know, I don't know, look both ways before you cross the street. You know, don't use a hairdryer while you're taking a bath. I don't know. It was something like that, you know. One of those safety things. And then a kid would chime in, and the kid's saying, there, he goes, that's good to know. And then the Joe would look at the kid and say, and he'd say, knowing is, and knowing is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. And, you know, that is so true that knowing is only half the battle. Knowledge alone is not enough. We've got to do. So being wisdom is in the doing. Our, it's the right use of knowledge. So we can know how to be safe and not dry your hair while you're taking a bath. But we've got to not do that so we don't drop it in and kill ourselves. Right? We've got to know. So the wisdom is in the doing. We're only wise when we do right, not just when we just know. Matthew seven twenty four says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So notice it says, those who hears these words of mine, you hear the word, so you know it, but then you do it. You're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So the wise man heard and did, the foolish man heard, but didn't do. The difference 
is in the doing. So we do what we know. We build on the rock. We build on wisdom. Wisdom is what helps us withstand the storms in life. And to get wisdom, we've got to have the right practices. These six practices, to be able to ask, to be able to study for wisdom, listen, to be a great observer of things, being aware of our surroundings, and then having self-awareness and being able to do what we know. Being able to do what we know is right. Not just knowing, but doing. Can we all stand? like us this morning to respond to what we've heard and, and look at these six things that, that we just covered. Be able to look and say, where am I falling short in the practices that we're talking about here? Am I too proud and I'm not asking? Am I not studying? Am I not being self-aware, observant? Or maybe I know what to do. Maybe I know what's going on, but I just don't do right. I just, I make bad decisions. I'm, I'm one that's educated, but I'm not able to apply that right use of knowledge. This morning, can we examine ourselves this morning and take a look at these practices? And we don't need to come forward or anything like that this morning, but what we need to do is to be able to just look inside. We need to be able to say, you know, God, forgive me if, you, if I haven't asked, you know, if, I, if I'm one of these, I'm falling short in these areas, you know. I need to take a, take, I, I need to do right. I don't need to just know. I need to be able to do right. I need to have your wisdom. Forgive me for, you know, relying so much on my own knowledge or the wisdom that the world has or the wisdom that others may have. You know, that just because everybody else is doing it. Well, those kind of things. Just everybody else can also be wrong. We know that a big group of people can be wrong. They, can't, they may not have the right answer just because everybody else is doing it, right? Amen. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're speaking to us. Lord, I think we just take this moment here and examine ourselves. And where we haven't been asking you for wisdom, where we haven't been looking to you for wisdom, forgive us, Father, where we haven't been looking to you. Lord, I thank you that you prompt us even this week to be in your word, to be studying, to be observing of those things that you want us to be observing of. Lord, that we'd be able to do right, not just know what's in your word, be able to do your word. I thank you for strength. Each person here, if you're desiring strength from the Lord to be able to give you how I want you just to lift your hand right where you're at. You want the strength to be able to do right, not just know right. Father, right now, I thank you for giving strength to each person that has their hand raised right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for granting wisdom as they make the right choices, as they make the right decisions, as they're leaning upon you. They're not leaning upon the others. They're not leaning upon themselves. Lord, I just give you praise going on for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we give you glory, give you honor in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? He's good. Amen.